And welcome back to the Sun and Fun Radio Deck. We are broadcasting live from Sun and Fun 22. So, folks, did you enjoy the air show? Man, it was a great show today. Really, really top-notch. So, before the air show, we were doing a little little fill-in time, and uh, somebody came up and started to heckle me and got me talking about... Yep, yeah, and that's you, Jack. The people of this... Jack, it's radio. They can't see you pointing at yourself. I, okay. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, Back in 2007, we started a long-standing tradition that has turned out to be so mutually beneficial, and that is that we turn control of the Sun and Fun radio deck over to the voices in your head, Jack, Jeb, and Dave of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. It's a decision I questioned my sanity at the time. I know. But I, I, I was about to say, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it started out as a tradition. It started out as, is this really such a good idea? Do I know you, sir? Exactly. <laughs> But uh, <clears throat> since then, they've come back. They, they uh, you know, not to be undone, another another event said, no, we want to have you twice during the week. You did one show at Sun and Fun. We want to have you twice during the week. And they came back and said, yeah, we'll do twice a week. And ever since 2009, we've done two shows of the Uncontrolled Airspace General Aviation Podcast live here on Sun and Fun Radio. I'm not sure which is in shorter supply, content or judgment. Well, for for this organization, judgment. I, there's no there's no question there. So, and I am going to step back. I'm going to welcome my friends to the deck, and I'm going to step back, and I am going to let Jack, Jeb, and Dave have their fun. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I turn you over to episode Sun and Fun 22 Live 1, since Jack doesn't remember how many episodes they've done. I, I the really uncontrol- yeah. Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. Take it away, Mr. Hodgson. Thank you, David, and uh, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I said that. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you live again from one of our favorite places on the world, the grounds of the Sun and Fun Fly-In uh, here in uh, 2022. Um, and I'm um, here with my two good friends. Well, Shalbert is here. By the way, Shalbert, thank you, David. I'm sorry. That's all right. I, call- I refer to you by your last name, meaning no disrespect. It's just there's so many Davids around here. <laughs> I just lots of Daves. Lots there's of lots Daves. of Daves. I, by the way, by the way, did I give you permission to bring a Jack onto the staff? Did I really? Bring... Uh, um, I didn't know I needed your permission. Yeah, okay, Jack. Yeah, Do yeah. I know you, sir? Yeah, I know. Really. Here uh, with that, in, I'm stepping back. In addition to Dave Shelter, here with my other two good friends uh, to uh, talk about uh, airplanes and and sun and fun uh, from uh, from uh, Lakeland, Florida. Um, Jeb Burnside and Dave Higdon. Hey guys, how you doing? Spiffy. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah. So, he says as the ground comes rushing up to him. So this is a magical moment. This is a magical moment. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, because, although, and it's not this particular moment, it was a moment two days ago. But as of a moment two days ago, it was the first time that we have gotten face-to-face, the three, all three of us, face-to-face in 984 days. Almost three years since we last saw each other. The statute of limitations expired. Well, you know, in many ways, one of the best three years of my life, but that's probably not. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. I missed seeing, you know, and, and a various twofer com- com- combinations happened over those years, but this is the first time in 984 days that all three of us have been back together, and it's great. Good to see you guys. Three tri- almost three complete trips around the sun. They- 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a joke in there somewhere, but I, yeah. Oh, that's weather talk. That's what you're doing there. You're sneaking in some weather talk. So, uh, yeah, it's day one of the Sun and Fun Fly-In. And, uh, the 48th uh, annual. Is it really? 48th. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, in many, you know, so this is my first time back since the pandemic. Um, and uh, actually, I think it's all three of us first time back. My first time. Yeah. Um, they held it, and Sun and Fun Radio was here a year, a year ago, but we, we weren't here. Um, and, uh, you know, in many ways, it's, it's, uh, it's sun and fun flying. It's great. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's what it always is. It's and, what, uh, yeah, it's what we came for. You know, it's a beautiful day here. Um, the crowds are looking good. The, uh, the air show just ended, and that was a lot of fun to watch and, 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 you know, appropriately loud at times. And it was just, you know, it's, it's back. It's back. And Mother Nature has uh, held off her frowns so far today. Yeah. I understand Thursday is going to get exciting. It's Tuesday now. Thursday is supposed to get exciting, right? Well, time will tell. Yeah. That's the forecast, but yeah. yeah. So, um, Jim and I just wandered in here or mid, mid-afternoon here. We got a chance to walk around a little bit. David, have you had a chance to see anything? Any, no. Um, not, what, what, not like I should. Yeah. Any sense of, of uh, news stories that have happened or uh, what, you know? You got here, like, what, yesterday? Yeah. 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 Uh, and th- there's some new product stuff that's creeping out. Yep. There's one subject we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes, but uh, the the fuel situation. But uh, other than that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, TBM announced a new model. Okay. Uh, which is um, fairly common thing for them. Sure. Uh, they've gone to the 960. Now. Okay. I don't know the the big distinction between it and the 950 predecessors. But uh, they, that's certainly new news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there will be some announcements of a fleet deal. Uh, uh, maybe Piper, maybe Cirrus, maybe Cessna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll sell some airplanes to a training organization. Wandering around, I, I, I had heard stories. Again, I wasn't here last year, but I had heard stories that many of the vendors chose to stay away last year. Doesn't feel like anybody stayed away this Doesn't time. feel like, you know, I walk through all four of the hangars some, sometimes briskly, but... Uh, um, there are some new vendors. There are some vendors I've certainly seen before. Mm-hmm. There are some uh, um, booths that were not sold, or they were sold, but the people didn't show up. I don't know. But very that sp- always happens. Very sparse. Yeah. yeah, it always happens. Very sparse uh, um, as far as uh, uh, unattended booths are concerned. But uh, the, hang- the hangers look as busy as they've ever been. Yep. And I was wandering around out in the outdoor, exi- you know, exhibit areas, and and they're just there's no bare grass. I mean, there's just airplanes and exhibits everywhere, yeah. um, and a lot of fun looking airplanes. We were admiring that high horsepower. Uh, what was it? One eighty two on floats. Yeah, thing? Whip Air has a has a three hundred fifty horsepower Cessna one eighty two on Amphib floats. It'll get off the water quick, uh, nicely. I'm sure. Uh, still got these float things hanging down. Yeah, so well, that kind of makes it draggy. I think that's the point, right? I, I don't know. Is the is the horse? I mean, I would, is that a working airplane, like a bush plane? And uh, that's maybe a demo airplane. But you, they'll be happy to drop a three fifty Lycoming in it for you. Yeah, because that would give them the ability to carry weight, and that might well, be the yeah, big mission for bush I, I, planes. I don't. I don't yeah, I mean, getting up and off the water is the big mission, uh, and um, whether that comes with a gross weight increase, I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what else have we seen here? Again, it's, it's just a pleasant day. Yeah. We're starting to see uh, 
Um, civilian aircraft departures now, um, which is normal this time of, of the day. Um, we were looking at the the weather radar. Um, we're, we're speculating that a lot of people who are trying to get in here in their personal airplanes are not being able to because there's a scary-looking um, line of, of weather there's up in northern Florida. Very scary and very large line of weather up uh, Panhandle area and, and uh, Georgia Florida state line and and even points north of there going up the coast um, so yeah I suspect there's a lot of people who have uh, pulled either pulled up short or haven't left yet yeah I mean we've seen it. that over and over over we the see years that. It is. It's, almost it's, every year it's the great Florida funnel trick yeah yeah it, it, it can block the whole state with just a 50 mile wide statewide up there by the panhandle and People with better judgment than ours will will look at that and go. I think I'm going to get a hotel room tonight. I wouldn't fly that with Dave. I wouldn't fly through that with David's airplane. So, yeah. <laughs> what's going on in general avia- general aviation? Gen- new general news about general aviation. Well, I think the uh, the uh, unleaded fuel uh, processes. Probably yeah. the, late, the latest news. So they made an announcement this morning, and I, I, I had a peek at the press release, but I'm not sure if I really grok it all. Are you more t- have you internalized it at all, Jim? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we're basically talking about GAMI, the General Aviation uh, Modifications, Inc. company, which is uh, based in Ada, Oklahoma. They've been working on their version of an unleaded aviation gasoline for more than 12 years. Um, last year at that air show up the road, um, they made a big announcement where they had STC'd a bunch of um, airplanes and, and uh, fuel systems and engines and whatnot, um, some 600 different types, as I recall. Um, and you know, that was kind of the low-hanging fruit for uh, uh, approval of a, an unleaded a- aviation gasoline. Um, this week... GAMI is announcing that they have done all the work, they have done all the paperwork, they have filed all the forms, they have done everything requested of them by the FAA to obtain an AML STC, approved model list STC, supplemental type certificate, um, which encompasses every spark ignition engine on the FAA's type certificate database. That means wow. ev- every piston engine, every spark ignition piston engine is approved for their fuel, their unleaded fuel, which is G100UL. And the only um, obstacle for that fuel to be marketed, sold, and, and, and flown in airplanes right now is a signature. It needs a signature. But a signature from who? The from Wichita, what? The Wichita uh, Aircraft Certification Office. Basically the FAA. The FAA. Yeah. Um, and we're waiting, like Godot, for <laughs> that signature before yeah. this is can be a... Before the beginning of the end, let's put it that way. Because this is the holy grail. This is this is the holy grail. This is I mean, since the begin since the earliest days of this podcast, we've been talking about alternatives for hundred low lead, and and for various reasons, there have been problems. It's been a challenge. I haven't been. No one's been able to do it. And now, Gamie has 
They've done it. It's proven. It's set. It's you know. It, but but the paperwork's not complete. The paper. Yeah, so, the job's not over till the paperwork's done. So all of the complaints that people have about whether or not the hundred low hundred low lead is is bad for your for the environment and that is on the verge of going away. It could be done away with the stroke of a pen. Yeah, yeah. Now the, the question that I know will come to, to, to all three of us when we get away from the show environment. It's going to be from some of our friends who own aircraft. We're going to want to know, can it be mixed with other fuels? Is it sensitive to the type of fuel system in the airplane, whether it's bladders or metal tanks? Or is this all done? My information is, and I you know, have to depend on people who are smarter than me, which doesn't narrow it down a whole lot, by the way. But... My understanding is that not only is the fuel safe uh, for bladders, for sealed internal tanks, for fuel pumps, for hoses, for stainless steel fuel lines, all of the above, um, but it can be easily mixed with 100 low lead or even 94UL or even MoGas. Depending on what fancy, what fancies your, uh, uh, what what, air, what fuel your airplane fancies, and and how you um, how you operate it, um, you know there are obviously some obstacles. One of which is simply manufacturing and distribution. Um, another one is um, making sure that people understand there are some you know a couple of limitations here. One is the fuel is slightly heavier, maybe a half pound per gallon heavier. Um, that's because it has more BTUs, more energy. So, you know, you, think of, you might want to start thinking in pounds per hour instead of gallons per hour, um, uh, some of us anyway. But the punchline here is this fuel is available. Or let me put it another way. This fuel is appropriate for every aircraft in the fleet, period. Yeah. Whereas other existing solutions to the quest for an unleaded aviation gasoline is not usable in some aircraft. Question I just got from the peanut gallery. Um, are, are other aviation fuel manufacturers going to be happy about this? Therein lies a big conundrum. Um, I'm of the opinion that some of the reason that uh, the signature from the FAA is not forthcoming has to do with um, maybe the fuel, uh, uh, maybe f- some other refineries, some other oil companies um, don't like the idea that this upstart company out of Ada, by God, Oklahoma, uh, has come up with this better mousetrap, and um, that they are pulling whatever strings they can to perhaps stall or delay the uh, approval of this fuel, which may or may not be true. The, the likelihood certainly exists that there is some shenanigan going on. I wouldn't want to point any fingers because I don't know where to point them right mm-hmm. now. Uh, but, you know, I, I do call shenanigans on some of this. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Okay. <laughs> what do you think, David? Well, for one thing, I can't spell shenanigans, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up because I get the feeling that's the episode title. But uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, this, this has been a, an ordeal of a process uh, well, going back years. I mean, yes, it has been. But 
and the history of it is interesting, you know, um, but it's fixed. I mean, it's like... It ain't fixed till the paperwork's well, done. Well, that's true, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay. All right, well, this is a big... This is big. This is good. In my perspective, it ain't fixed until it's pumped yeah. In, yeah. into yeah. your airplane. Yeah, and, 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 and having the fuel doesn't solve the problem, as you both just alluded right. to. Um, we got to figure out how to get it out to the airports, and we got to figure out what tanks to put it in, and uh, yeah, exactly. And we got to get the and we got to get the aviation community to be comfortable with it, because they may not be. That's uh, true. Yeah, um, that's true. You know? Well, the... Uh, but this is big. This is. Big. I think it's a very, very big deal. I think it's the biggest deal for general aviation in some time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they have hit all the worry points from the sounds of the paperwork and the work that's been done, is it good in bladders? Yeah. Is it good in metal tanks? Yes. Is it good being mixed into fuel pump it's almost it sounds almost too good to be true but i trust the people who are involved and apparently it is it's all these things right yeah it's it's the um we know these people they're good people we we know these people um i've i've um known the principals behind gammy for a number of years um shook hands with them this morning has said hello chatted about this a little bit um they're the real deal yeah Cool. cool and this could uh, solve a lot of fueling issue problems at a lot of airports where they may not have enough tanks to offer two or three versions of yeah, fuel. No one, I, in my thinking, no one wants to see two or three different types of aviation gasoline uh, required to be present yeah. at an airport. That's part of the... The, the overall equation here, the holy grail, if you will, is, is finding a fuel that checks all these boxes. And, and, and the, the, the phrase that's been used over and over again during this process is drop-in, a drop-in replacement. That you can drop it into a tank with your 80-octane uh, uh, auto fuel and it's going to go for. you got got 100 low lead in your tanks, drop it in. Yeah. You may not get... All of the power or all the speed, if you start mixing it with higher octane uh, fuels, that will bring it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But we're on the road to ending a lot of problems. Like uh, there's communities on the west coast, the left coast as they call it, my neck of the woods, that uh, would love to shut the uh, airport and the flying down on the basis that, the, oh, my Lord, the fuel has lead in it. Uh, wow, that, that, that's certainly not new. We've had fuel with lead in it for 50 freaking years. Yeah, but, I mean, and it's not a lot of, well, okay, that's a controversial subject. The point is... Um, I've been allowed around leaded fuel, aviation fuels. And that explains a lot. I, I, I was going to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's he's doing okay. Anyways, sorry, folks. You really didn't want to see that. So. We, we we should save that when we go video. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but here's my final question on the subject: What color is it going to be? Does it have a color? Is there an assignment? It does, and I know it, but I don't have it. Because hundred low lead is blue. Um, something is red. when I was when I was eighty. A, eighty octane is red. Hundred something was green. Was green. Upon. Yeah. Um, Jet a jet fuel is straw colored. Yeah. So and, and the dyes work in such a fashion that um, it's obvious that 
the airplane has been fueled with some substance that, yeah. is, that has dyed a different color. Yeah. 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 So, you, so you've got it, but you asked me a question I can't answer because I, I simply don't have my reference materials yeah, in front of me. We're I, flying. Know. Yeah. We're flying without our instruments yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, normally we have all kinds of uh, ability to access the internet, and they don't, and I do, but I'm not going to. One thing, one thing Dave said, though, I, I need to maybe uh, address or correct or, or mention. Uh, if you've got 80 octane in your tank or MOGAS in your tank, you can put G100UL in your tank, and it's not going to affect the engine. The, the octane level is only going to increase, not decrease, and there won't be any lead to foul the spark plugs. So it, it should be a, stream, a, a seamless, streamlined process. The, the, the fear that a lot of people have is, uh, or, or, or has been discussed anyway, is you're on a long cross country, and you took off with a tank full of 100 lead lead, and you go to, to cheap... Avgas Regional Airport, and the only thing they've got is G100UL. Can you mix the two? Uh, absolutely, you can. There's, yeah. n- there's no there's no impact on your operations. You're not going to see hotter cylinder head temperatures. Yeah, you know things like this. The only thing that you may have to do is buy the STC, and that will be an automated process. You pull out your phone. You know, boom, boom, boom. Um, <clears throat> the STC, STCs already exist for MoGas. EAA and Peterson Aviation have been selling them for 20 years. At least. Yeah. I was going to say 30 or 40. Okay. Um, and they are sold based on the horsepower of the engine. It's $1.50 per horsepower or something like that. So if you're looking at a 300 horsepower engine, you're looking at $450 for an STC, which ain't free, but when it comes to aviation uh, um, um, pricing, that's it's, ball, it's ballpark. I was going to say it's one of the better deals. It's one of the better deals you'll find, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the beginning of a new era. That's cool. And let me hasten to add that pricing's not been set, but that's, that's, right. that's something that's been projected. Yeah. So it's the, it's the beginning of a new era, and that sounds good. Um, in another way, we are at the end of an era in aviation, um, and that is that the last Learjet has been built. And uh, um, now, so I'm going to admit that I, I, quite frankly, didn't know they were still making Learjets, all right? But apparently they were. And, uh, but Which they, perhaps is one of the reasons they've, they've they, made they, the they, last one. Yeah, that, that, that's that, a whole other. It's stopping was it, right. But, they, they, but it's official. They've made the last Learjet um, there, uh, and... Uh, um, as I understand it, it, it was delivered and is being, you know, whatever, to, to the customer, whatever, you know, whoever that is. Um, it's kind of a sad end of an era. Learjet was a real, real, uh, uh, you know, milestone in, in what, in, in my mind, and you guys know this way better than I do, but in my mind, Learjet is, is, a, is a signature of, you know, per business aviation. All right? It's synonymous with business aviation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, have, I, have either of you got stick time in Learjets? Yeah? No, Did, I don't have any stick time. i got some passenger time. Yeah, okay. David, you've actually flown? You've actually put your hands on the yoke? Yeah, with uh, uh, Learjet's chief test pilot in a uh, 31A. Uh-huh. What was that like? Uh, you know, it was so uneventful uh, it, that I have to stop and think about the circumstances, but... We uh, left Wichita, then called Mid-Continent Airport, and headed... Uh, you really, mo- really hate that name, the new, the new name, don't you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't interrupt you. You left, the, you left Mid-Continent, yeah. 
we headed uh, uh, generally in a westerly direction, having to do a, a little bit of course correction for traffic. But uh, Pete Reynolds, the uh, chief test pilot at Lear at the time, the late Pete Reynolds, uh, he let me fly it to 510. Ooh, okay. And then encouraged me to level, level off, get it trimmed and balanced, and start doing turns. And he said, now when you get in a turn on this one, I want you to pull back on the yoke until you feel the wings shake. Okay, at 510. 510. And... Sure enough, there was a little tremor in the wings ahead of the stall brake, and the stall brake was a nothing burger. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. we fell out of the turn and leveled off, went back to 510, did it in the other direction. Uh, and he smiled at me, and he said, so so, do you think you could get used to this? <laughs> and I said, sure. I said, do you think your publisher could help you get used to this? He said, no way. <laughs> what uh, do you think that... So maybe you just answered this question, David, but what made the Learjet so successful? Marketing. So, well, that suggests that it wasn't really a quality airplane. No, it was an unknown entity. Okay. It was brand new. And they they gave a dealership on the West Coast to uh, a Wichita native called Clay Lacey. Clay Lacey, yeah. And a legend. Clay went to work on it and turned it into a camera ship for, for motion picture work. But he's, he and his company sold the hell out of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was in a day when it was, I think, a Model 23 and 25 were the only ones you could get. And there, there, I remember hearing a lady, she came out of a 23 after a, a demo flight, and, and her, husband, her husband was thinking about buying it, and he was getting hung up over the fact that it wasn't single pilot IFR. It meant he was going to have to hire a pilot to fly with him. And her biggest complaint was, it's like a bloody cave in there. There's only four windows in the whole thing. Could they put some lights in it so you could see where you're going instead of bumping your head getting back to the seats? Uh, but uh, by that point... Uh, the uh, the, the uh, gentleman with the Lear in his name had made his mark. Company had collapsed. Was picked up by somebody else. Renewed, and went on to a, a long, long history. I mean, we're talking about 1963 when the first one. Yeah, I'm willing by. to be corrected. I, back in that day, um, the only other purpose-built business jet. Was the Lockheed uh, Jetstar, Jetstar, four-engine uh, fuel guzzler, um, you know, twice the cabin space, but uh, um, a real um, um, anachronism in a lot of ways. Um, the Learjet was, um, again, custom-built for business a- applications. Um, took advantage of uh, new technologies in the engines. Um, but mainly, it was <clears throat> just a nice, compact uh, jet. Um, and fast. And fast, yeah. Yeah. And fast. Uh, Very sleek it, looking, too. It, it, it just ran away from everything else in the market, yeah, including yeah. the Jetstar. And that was a four-engine airplane. Yeah. Well, there you go. The end of an era. The end of an era. Yeah. Um, it, it's a beautiful afternoon here in Lakeland, Florida. The... Uh, 
sun is starting to set. The, uh, the, the sky is full of these beautiful, um, brightly lit, towering cumulus clouds. Uh, we've got a lot of airplanes doing departures in the background here. Um, we still have a couple minutes before our break, but uh, um, the crowds are still here. And, uh, you know, if you're, you're in the area and you haven't decided to come to Sun and Fun, you probably should because uh, they got a whole week. And uh, Well, tomorrow night's the first night air show. Yeah. Uh-huh. And... Uh, um, it's going to be that, that's worth the price of admission all by itself. It really is. Now, in a couple of minutes, we're going to take a break. I just wanted to, I, 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 I'm always thinking about you guys, and I wanted to give you something to kind of get you through the break. And so I got this. Hang on. Hang on. Cheesy poofs. I found cheesy poofs. All right. Just just handed cheese. the guys a little bags of uh, cheese doodles. Cheese doodles. Cheese doodles. Baked puffs. Cheddar. Cheese. Cheesy poofs. Cheesy poofs. So, uh, yeah. I'm somebody again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, see, I've timed this badly. We still have three minutes. What's going, what else is going on here? Uh, there was something I wanted to talk about here. I don't know what it was. Will there be uh, a fish fry at home built this Friday? They are doing the fish fry again. I think they, mm. they, they, they suspended it last year, I heard. Um, but... Uh, Fish fry is a lot of fun. We we did that a bunch a bunch of years ago. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, that's that's fun. Get you, get your tickets early because uh huh. It, it it will very likely sell out yeah, by I, Thursday evening. I, that was the year I was shooting a lot of video, and I shot a little video of uh, you know it was sort of a selfie kind of thing. You know, I said Dave told me I got to go. He sent me on a mission. I got to go buy fish fry tickets, and so I. Cirrus Aircraft is thrilled March. to announce that we're coming to town. Cirrus Orlando. Hello, this is Mike Harris from Why We Fly General. Uh, there we go. The, the gremlins are, are at work here. Um, but uh, anyways, the uh, fish fry was cool. And I, I, so I marched over there and I bought the, uh, the fish fry tickets and, and had a nice chat with the, the ladies at the desk. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then that evening we went over and there was a live band playing some fun music and a lot of people enjoying the evening and, uh, and some, fun, uh, some fun fish fry. We saw, I believe probably some baked beans and uh, um, it, was, it was a good deal. That was run by the, what, the what's that organization Antique. called? Yeah. Antique Air. Vintage airplane. Yeah, vintage airplane. And for folks that are on the field right now, within the sound of our voice, which you should be if you're on the field, uh, is corn roast tonight over in uh, the uh, main camping area, and there'll be music that you can uh, hear for free. Uh, Yep, another nice venue over there in the campground. Go ahead. Yep. Hear the music for free, get the corn for a reasonable price, and it's fresh cooked. I mean, they will... Pull the shucks back, dip it in a tub of butter, and go, here you go. All right. Have you managed to get over to the ultralight area yet this year? I have not yet. Yeah. What are, uh, what are, you, are you looking for? Any, looking forward to anything in particular over there? Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what antique ultralights that, that are here again this year. Uh, like John Moody coming over in, uh, in his uh, easy, well, not easy riser, but... Uh, a, a, a bi-wing ultralight that he flies over and lands on his feet and uh, there'll be some good stuff over there to see uh, now that the air show is over and the departure traffic doesn't interfere with flying over there so uh, if you're looking for more airplane traffic than you're getting on one eight uh, uh, 927 uh, head over to Paradise City. Yeah, yeah. You All can right. get your nose right up against the fence. Well, now we are going to take a break. We're going we're gonna to kick back and have some cheesy poofs, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with more. But for now, you're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on Sun and Fun Radio. 
Hello, this is Mike Harris from Why We Fly General Aviation Podcast. You're listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 1510 AM, and online at liveatc.net slash SNF. And now back to the Sun and Fun Radio deck, brought to you in part by Green Bay Austin Straubel International Airport. And we're back here on the deck at uh, Sun and Fun Radio at uh, Sun and Fun 2022 here in Lakeland, Florida. The 48th annual. The 48th. See, David is actually uh, uh, air staff here at the throughout the whole week, and so he's been highly indoctrinated to get all these little these little messages right. I, I on the other hand, I just make it up as I go along. Um, so, uh, Are you sure I'm not? <laughs> so, I, I just wanted I wanted to be on the record that Jeb actually ate some of the cheesy poofs during the during the break there i ate them all Ooh, okay um on the other hand jeb also thought that i planned far enough ahead to have brought those from new hampshire and i did not they were, came from the the snack box uh inside here at the radio station so uh anyways uh continues cheesy to poops? be you have cheesy poops yeah, well actually you have cheesy poops dave but yeah okay you stole my cheesy poops i did i did um uh, Continues to be a beautiful evening here at Lakeland. Um, I earlier alluded to that it was getting close to sunset, and then all of a sudden the sun pops out. It's really bright, and it's it's we got a ways until sunset. Um, so uh, it's a beautiful evening here. Um, can't get over. I'm, I'm see. I'm from New Hampshire. I just got over a long a long New Hampshire winter. So I'm I'm just. You still have snow on the ground up there. Uh, just barely, uh, not quite, but just barely. Yeah, and. Uh, um, so I'm I'm more than thrilled to be down here. Hey, we're being we've been joined here um, on the deck around our, our table here uh, in our in our virtual hangar by a uh, by someone who once upon a time from the very beginning has been a m- wonderful supporter of the podcast and over the years has become a close friend. Uh, Pilot Jim G. Jim Goldman hey is here. There. Hi Jim. How hey are Jack. You? I noticed you have your laptop there. Uh, where'd you find that? Yeah. Okay. During be- during the before the show started, it was sitting out here and they stole it and hid it and. and <laughs> Then, but then they were all bent out of shape that I didn't notice that it was missing, and they started dropping all these hints about my laptop. And it took me a little while before I got it, but uh, yeah. So that was a continuation. whatever I can do to help. That was know? a continuation of that little joke there. How you doing, Jim? What's going on in your world these days? Well, most proximately, I'm here at Sun and Fun having a great time. I'm a volunteer yes. as well. Yes. And I got down here on Saturday afternoon, helped set up Sunday and Monday. So by the time show opens uh, Tuesday morning, I'm exhausted and ready to go home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> having having worked in the events world for a long time i totally understand what you're saying yes but but actually the volunteer job now during the week is much easier because all we need to do is entertain and welcome people we've, yeah. we've done all the hard work up front yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that what, what your role you know and you've been a, i mean as I, I i'm not kidding you've been a great supporter of the podcast you're also a great supporter of the sun and fun programs and uh um, tell us a little bit about what you do here sure um, I am on the hospitality staff, and in particular, I work in the area that welcomes our donors and sponsors who put up the money to to create this event. Uh, this event raises money for aviation-based education, and we have corporate sponsors, and we have individual donors, and we have a little lounge going with air conditioning on the flight line, mm. gentlemen. Yeah. All, all it requires is a, is a you know, $10,000 donation to the program. For you, Jack, five. Oh, well, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll what a deal. I'll get my checkbook out, right? Yeah. And um, so we're sponsored this year by Cirrus Aircraft. We'll give them a plug. And so they and their guests come over, as well as, our, as I said, our other donors and sponsors. And, one of, and our job as volunteers over there is to make them feel very welcome. So we have food, beverages, air conditioning, we're seats on the flight line, whatever we get 
them transportation wherever they need. Yeah. How, how quickly after someone makes a donation do you actually deposit the check? <laughs> oh, I see where you're going there. That could work. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just curious. I, I, I just want to get all the information. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to refer that one to the finance folks. <laughs> or, or the legal, but one or the other. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, last time I talked to you, Jim, I believe you had two flying machines. Do you still have two flying machines? I do have two aircrafts. <laughs> you wouldn't call them flying I'm machines. I'm looking at Jeb as I say that. Ooh. <laughs> Tell us about your airplanes. Uh, I have an aircraft. An airplane is a, my airplane is a light sport, two seat light sport made in the Czech Republic. And it is made by a company called BRM Aero. And the trade name is Bristel, B R I S T L E L L. They're here on the field. And I bought that because my friends out in Lancaster, PA, close to where I live, are the U.S. importers and distributors. So the locus of Bristel support in the United States is in my backyard. So mm-hmm. it's a great uh, way to get support for a European yeah. aircraft. It's also a very nice little light sport. Yeah, and I've never seen your airplane, but you've showed me the model, and it's a very sleek, cool-looking yeah. airplane. Very pretty. It is, and it's very comfortable. And the other airplane? My other aircraft, which is not an airplane, is my sometimes called powered hang glider, but we know it formally as weight shift control aircraft. And to paint an audio picture on a podcast, think of a motorcycle with three wheels, a trike motorcycle. Now put a fabric hang glider wing on top. And that's what I fly. And I love it because it is like taking off on a motorcycle but flying a hang glider. It is a tremendous experience. So I have this, I have this vision of a motorcycle with a wing on it and accelerating to take off speed and Flying, you know, a quarter mile or something like that. Touching down again on the motorcycle, revving it up, accelerating again, getting another half mile. No, that's not the way it works. You have a pusher engine <laughs> there, on this thing. There See, is. I'm, <laughs> and, and where I was picturing, I'm, I'm picturing that evil Knievel thing where he took the motorcycle across the river. and uh, uh, the, yeah. the Snake River, yeah. Yeah, right. No, so no. Uh, it's, they're, they're each... Uh, each one of those, the Bristel airplane and the weight shift controlled trike, they call it a trike, is uh, powered by a, a Rotax uh, 912 fuel injected. I have two of them. I am a multi engine Rotax mm-hmm. pilot. I just can't use both engines at the same time. Well, once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think you've answered this question, but I'm going to ask it outright. Uh, so uh, I have a beautiful Saturday afternoon, and you've got you know nothing on the schedule, but you want to commit some aviation, and the two air, air the two flying machines, the two aircraft are sitting next to each other. Which one do you pick? The uh, I'll always pick the hang glider, uh, the Revo. That's- it's actually the model is Revo R Revo Trike. Yep, Revo Trike. I'll pick the Revo first every time if the weather permits. Mm-hmm. And it, it, because the Revo is a hang glider wing, it's a little bit more um, susceptible to uh, um, lift, updrafts, turbulence, crosswinds, all of that stuff, because it is so much lighter. Uh, so if conditions permit, and this would usually be at sunset is the right time to go flying, about an hour before sunset until a half hour after. That hour and a half is the perfect time. You can still see where you're going. It's still daylight. Beautiful views and all that, but the the, the um, thermals have died down at that time of mm-hmm. day. Yep. Uh, midday, I'll take the airplane. Ah, okay. I see the difference. All right. Yeah. Well, the first powered machine that I learned to fly was courtesy of my old friend Dan Johnson. Uh, it was a flight designs demon wing on a Kawasaki powered trike. 
And uh, we went out to a little airport in Jasper, Alabama, right on the state line, and uh, spent a, a brisk morning learning to get it off the ground, get it back on the ground, get it off the ground. And DJ's instructions to me were, get it going fast enough, push the bar out until the nose wheel lifts off, and then back off. And so I... I uh, thought I was following the instructions pretty diligently until I realized that the altimeter said I was 500 feet off the runway. And I went around the pattern twice before my nerve built up to the point where I could commit to landing on the next circuit. Le- uh, landing on, when learning to land on that, especially if you have come from a, a, a fix, an air, fixed-wing airplane background, takes a little getting used to it's not extraordinarily difficult average mortal can do it but it takes a little it takes a little practice well and i had nothing but uh, hang gliding experience so actually you were in better shape because you didn't have the fixed wing i did not have the fixed wing fixation uh but there was something about backing off the throttle as i'm turning from base to final and seeing the air the, the runway Start to come, coming at you. I think I'm going to go around. <laughs> and at about 150 feet, I'd go around, and then because it was a pusher, it wouldn't want to pitch up a little bit. And on the third go around, I finally managed to find the combination that let me change power settings without an ensuing pitch change. One of the things folks should know about these is they're not very aerodynamically sleek. So they don't glide the way airplane, the way we think of airplanes and gliders doing. So you, you do use power until you're almost over the runway. And, and they don't glide like a hang glider. No, they when don't. You put that trike Not when there. you put the trike carriage underneath it, no. And I, uh, I had that uh, demon wing for most of that summer. And uh, uh, some of the most fun flights that I'd ever had up to that point were... Soaring that wing at a couple of the sites in the Sequatchie Valley outside Chattanooga. Uh, matter of fact, when I uh, launched at one place called Whitwell and turned right and gained altitude, the guy behind me who had the dealership for the then hot wing punched off right behind me and went ding. <laughs> <laughs> and when we got in the campground that night, he was not a happy camper. No. He uh, didn't appreciate the, how well I was showing off the product he wasn't selling. Uh, the next day, we had a competition at the uh, uh, Henson's Gap flying site that belongs to the Tennessee Treetoppers. And the task was to take off, turn left, climb above a certain point, do a circle, then go across the gap about a mile and a half, and turn around where the two spotters were, do two 360s there, then come back across launch, and then head to the landing field. And uh, at one point, uh, the uh, somewhat competitive fellow was a little ahead of me, going across the gap. And as we got farther into the gap, the lift changed, and I found myself not able to look at the wing above me, 
but I knew I was climbing into him. And the next thing I hear is I'm, I'm being cursed out by this guy. And at the campfire that night, he, so wanted, this is, to, he this, wanted to tell so, me. So this is aircraft to aircraft communication by yelling at each other. By yelling, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have sent up a note, but I left a pen <laughs> yeah, on well, <laughs> the, the, uh, At the campsite that night, uh, you know, all the gears put away. We got our day, uh, our day's worth of flying line to, 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 that's it, update. And this gentleman came over and got in my face about how I shouldn't have been climbing up into him like that. And one of the senior instructors with that club put him right, and then he says, you know the rules here. Low man has the right-of-way. Low man always has the right-of-way. It's that way with sailplanes. It's that way with balloons. So stuff it. Sit down, shut up, come up with something else to talk about. I'm sure those are exactly the words that you Uh, used. Yeah, that's as close as I'm going to get on a PG radio. Yeah, I understand. understand. I'll contribute one more thing. The the folks who are into the the trikes, so-called hang gliders, are very into visual photography. And they put cameras all over these things. Remember, you're in a motorcycle. Everything is open. So everywhere you look, there's nothing obstructed. And so if you look at uh, some of the videos from, from these guys, they're spectacular videos in beautiful places. Because you can put these in a trailer and take them somewhere gorgeous and do fly-in mm-hmm. with the cameras. Uh, so I recommend, you know, if you're interested in seeing some stunning aerial photography, take a look at some of the trike videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm guessing, Jim, that you're pretty laser-focused on your particular part of the uh, the event here this week. Have you had a chance to think or look at anything else around the uh, show? Other than my volunteer area, I have seen the path from there to here this afternoon. <laughs> on the other hand, I believe that your 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 place has a deck on top. Do you? Have we, your... Our hospitality area is the only one on the flight line that has an upstairs rooftop deck. Now, have have you made it up there? Yes, of course. Yeah. I helped put the furniture up well, of there. Of course, of course. Now, Jack, you that wasn't you... during the air show that you were up there. No, no, this was on Saturday. But Jack, you too for five thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah, five thousand. Um, no, okay. So the, the nice view up there. You see, yeah, it's, it's yeah. one of the best places to uh, to watch. I'm the not show. trying to pitch it. I'm just trying to get you to tell me what you've seen at Sun and Fun. Um, I've I watched the airplanes arrive on Monday because we are on the fl- on the front line there, uh, uh, up against the runway. And I would say that Monday's arrivals were light compared to what I've usually seen the day before opening day. And, look, and I did look out in the aircraft parking, uh, camping parking area out here, um, and it was a little bit lighter than I remember normally for opening day. So yeah. I'm sure we'll catch up with ourselves. Yeah, we were commenting earlier, we think that line of weather might be blocking a lot of that people. May, that may very well be the problem. And, and if that's the case, which it likely is, um, it's not going to get better until Thursday. But come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it will be a lot better. And y'all think you'll see a lot more visitors. With, with the Thunderbirds coming this weekend, we're right. expecting record crowds like we've never seen here before. So mm-hmm. it's going to be amazing. And our just my little hospitality area, we are expecting over 200 guests with a capacity of 120. I'm not sure how we're going to do this. Double stack. There you go. <laughs> Double stack. But now I- Raise the donation threshold. Could work both ways. Could work both ways. Yeah. I hear through the grapevine that uh, you, you've been doing a little uh, real estate marketing. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm selling airports. I have only have one left in inventory right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. He only ever had one. But yeah. 
but yeah. but he had an airport. Right? I mean, uh, he, he has an airport, he has an and airport. it is for sale. Yes. And yeah. it, all it takes is money. Yeah, yeah. We'll but, talk about that more later on uh, yeah. in another okay. episode. That sounds good. Let's I, I, do I that. Kind of like get, get into that in this in this venue. But, I'm uh, I'm hoping it'll be sold before we talk about I it on so a future too. episode. I hope so too. <laughs> David, you were just telling us telling stories about you know flying your hang gliders and your your power your ultralight powered ultralights and our powered hang gliders. Uh, you you have taken a really interesting path through all this aviation stuff, starting with hang gliders, moving into ultralights, uh, uh, going to fixed wing, all the different airplanes. I, I'm just kind of curious how you got into this in the very first. I mean, it's like once upon a time you had never flown anything, and then. Did you kind of always want to go flying, or, oh, yeah. or how, oh, yeah. how, what, what was what was that process? How did you enter? Okay, I started out as a child, as an eight-year-old child, sitting on a stack of phone books in my uncle's brand new first-year Cessna 182. There we go. Okay, yeah, uh huh. And he coached me finger and thumb. Were those phone books STC'd properly? This is what I wanted. Uh. Probably not. Okay. No. Yeah, right. Okay. 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 This yeah. was before STC. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, no, you're, so you're riding with your, uh, what did you say, uncle? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Who, who, who flew B-17s in World War II. Yeah, I think you've talked about him over he, the years. Even, but, uh, even, even survived getting shot down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so your, but, you, but your adventure, how did it go? So you, you did well, this. Well, he coached me on the finger and thumb on the yoke and try not to put any forward or back pressure on it. If I could keep that vertical speed needle as close to zero as possible, he wanted me to do turns until I came back and ran into my own wake. I didn't know what it was. startled the hell out of me. But uh, we did that for about 45 minutes, and I was hooked. You know, eight years old, uh, from that point on, Flying was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but then so, I found out that a couple of years later that my vision would not qualify me to fly for the military or the airline. Okay. And after I got over that crushing discovery, uh, the first thing that came along that I could actually afford to own and fly was hang gliders. And I spent a week at uh, Crystal Air Sports in uh, Chattanooga, Dan Johnson's business. Uh, Did you I, know Dan before that, or is that when you met him? Uh, I'd met him before that, but that's when we got to know one another. And then a couple of years later, I moved down there to work for Glider Rider Magazine, and we got to know one another a yeah, lot better. Yeah. So th- those first lessons were, what do you remember about those? Uh I remember that it took me five tries to run down the training hill without beaking the trainer. Beaking. I like that. I can picture that. Tell us what beaking is. That's when you're trying to land and it won't stall break and the momentum carries you through and the nose plate hits the ground. And then if you're lucky, your helmet doesn't hit the keel tube. Okay. Uh, so it took five tries. Took five tries. Uh by Wednesday of that week, uh, I was flying off the training ramp, uh, going all the way down, and was getting enough uh, uh, positive conditions that I was running out of landing field. And so I learned to do 90-degree turns on my first day, uh, being able to maneuver the glider. Uh, by the end of the week, uh, I bought a harness, a helmet, 
uh, counted what money was left over from that family vacation, called a friend of mine in Louisville that had an outdoor shop, and he had a Seagull Seahawk, brand new, hadn't even taken it out of the shipping container yet, invited me to come by and take a look at it when I got back in town. Uh, by the end of that weekend, I owned a Seagull Seahawk and was flying off of a man-made lakes dam and discovered very quickly why so many hang glider pilots carry spare down tubes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, Jim got it and, and laughed, but I'm not sure what, why. What, what's the joke there, or what's the, what's the not joke? A bad landing, and you bend the down ah, tube, and it's no longer airworthy. Yeah. And if you don't already have replacement in stock, you're stuck on waiting for the UPS guy for the rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was the start. Uh, I flew off of a little place uh, in southern Indiana that we collectively called the East Cliff. And east winds were the least prominent of the weather conditions we get. So we would only get to fly out there maybe eight or ten days out of the year. It was only 400 feet above the valley floor. So you didn't have a lot of time to, to mess around you either hook the lift or you miss the lift and headed to the landing field and broke that sucker down as fast as you could because you want to go back up and do it again mm-hmm. uh, graduated to uh, other sites and uh, landed a job on glider rider magazine and moved to chattanooga and that's when my real education started uh, in what way uh dj would loan me wings dan that, johnson dan johnson would loan me wings to try out particularly if i was going to some of the sites away from where his dealership was and uh so i might fly one wing for six weeks on the weekends and then he'd offer me something else and eventually i got to where i was flying uh the highest performance wings available at the time and the education continued. That's when I learned to buy six down tubes at a time. <laughs> because cool. by that time, they'd stopped curving the bottom of the down tubes, and all three tubes were the same and the same length with the same holes drilled. So I could swap one out and put another one in. And we saved the busted ones and turned them into bazooka uh, to launch bottle rockets at the 4th of July. <laughs> Sounds good. Jeb, um, you flew with your dad, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Tell us, what was that like? Um, Awe-inspiring mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, I was self-loading freight, you know, uh, back in the day. About what age? Good question. Um, four or five. Okay. Um, and uh, I've told this, said this frequently, that got introduced to, to general aviation uh, back then. Thought it was about the coolest thing that a human being could actually do, mm-hmm. and uh, always had an interest. I had uh, um, postcards of the latest Cessna models uh, taped or thumbtacked on the wall of my bedroom, and and uh, you know a lot of toys and, and things like that as I was growing up, and, and yada yada yada. And uh, my parents gave me flying lessons uh, as a high school graduation gift. Mm-hmm. And the, the rest of the uh, the rest is history, as it were. Um, and uh, what did you learn in Cessna one hundred and fifty? I soloed. Um, 
Um, graduated from that to a 172 and and uh, ended up uh, flying a lot of Pipers. Um, once I moved to D.C., flying club I joined was all Piper Club. Um, and, um, you know, just worked my way up that line, worked my way up the Cessna line over the years. Um, the second Beechcraft I ever flew, I now own. Okay. Uh, so you, did you make a good choice? I think so. Yeah. 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 Jim, you want to jump in? Yeah, here? mine's going to be brief. And it's so different from either of you. Okay. Because more, in most of my life, I had no interest in flying other than how much is an airline ticket. Really didn't. <laughs> and my wife and I bought a vacation home in New Hampshire, which is a 10-hour drive for us. It was a real drag. And one of my friends took me for a flight in a Piper Warrior. And I just said, well, if he can do this, I can do this. I'm going to get a license so that we can get to our vacation home. So I got it as a matter of practicality, not for any love of aviation. There was a time living in D.C., had some roommates, and uh, we had this gas crisis thing going on. You know, you, could, you had lines. You had to pick, you know, the, the, the number on your tag determined which days you could buy gas uh, for your car and things like this. And I always had gas in the car. One of my roommates was like, dude, what's your secret? I said, well... Why don't you come with me Saturday? I'll show you. And uh, Saturday, I had a 152 reserved out at Manassas. This was way back in the day when it was a lot shorter drive to get there. And, uh, of course, we were living in the city, but the gas station in Manassas had gas. Yeah. they were they, the, the gas wasn't in that big a demand, so I could top off the tank on my car. And go fly for an hour or so. I didn't have to even worry about putting 100 low lead in it or something like that. Or 80 octane back then. I don't know what it was. Um, and that got him hooked. He went for a discovery flight. And he recently retired with 29,000 some odd hours. Accident, incident, enforcement free. And uh, so that's, you know, that's my, my uh, uh, contribution, if you will, to the industry. One of my contributions. Yeah, to yeah. We've told a lot of these stories over the years on the podcast, and, and they're there, but I, I always like to hear them again. Yeah. And uh, Hey, we're just about out of time here. Um, it's, it continues to be an awesome day here at uh, Lakeland Linder Airport. Is it still called Lakeland Linder? Is it, yes. It's Lakeland Linder International oh, Airport. Okay. There is right, a yeah. customs uh, person here on the field, and people come back from the Bahamas to here. Yeah. So uh, if you're in town, and you should come to Sun and Fun before the week is out because it's uh, it's very, very cool. We want to thank a bunch of people. Thank you, Jim, for step, stepping in here. Thank you for being our our, our, our patron and our good friend over these years. Um, it's it's one of the great treats that we've gotten out of No school. good deed goes unpunished. Know, Apparently huh? not. <laughs> yeah. uh, we want to thank our friends at, at Sun and Fun Radio, um, our st- all the staff who have been very helpful to us all over the years, and particularly to our good friend David Shellbetter, who has been a terrific uh, a friend and supporter of the podcast. We really appreciate that. Um, I want to thank – oops, wait a minute. Stop it. Uh, somebody uh, – somebody, okay, they always yeah. call during yeah. the show. Yeah. Uh, Thank you to Jeb. Thank you very much, Jeb. My pleasure. David, thank you very much. And uh, um, David, before we break away here, is there something you wanted to tell us? You want to live long and become an old, old part, go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. And that's enough talk, and let's go flying.